You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. There's a, a verse here that we uh, kind of base man up uh, on. It's 1 Corinthians 16, 13. It says, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. And can I tell you, there's a lot of wimpy men out there today. There's no wimps here today because you got your hind end out of bed and you're here. But there's a lot of guys that call themselves a Christian and they're not leading. They're not leading their home. They're not leading their family. And so the title of my message today was, was going to be one thing. And my wife said that there's a word there I shouldn't be using. Uh, <clears throat> The, title, the original title of this talk was Sheepdog or Pussycat. And uh, there's a reason why I used that second word. Because I think every man at some time in his life, he has been called that word. And she said, you know, you really shouldn't say that word. She, last night, she kind of came up to me, and she kind of gently approached the subject. And she said, that's a word you really don't need to use, uh, is pussy cat. You know, we use kitty cat or, or something different. You don't need to use that word. So, and I said, okay, I receive that. I get that. And so the, the title of this talk now is Sheepdog or Hello Kitty. Which one are you? So, uh, let's get started. Man, a couple years ago, we were out uh, just enjoying some time away and uh, love going out west. Love Monument Valley, Moab, Arches Natural Park, hiking in that area. Love Jackson Hole area. Not necessarily Jackson Hole and just all the stuff there, but that area. It's just beautiful. And one day, one morning, we were driving and we take all the two lane blacktops. That's our vacation. It's two lane blacktops, little junk stores, mom and pop cafes. That's when we're in heaven. We'll probably never go to Disney unless one of our kids says, Here's your tickets. Uh, probably not going, and uh, it's no big deal. So we're on this two-lane blacktop, right? And we come to this great big sweeping curve, and on this curve is this little old beat-up Ford pickup truck, and attached to it, he, this person is pulling a homemade camper, and they're parked on this great big sweeping curve, and they're just parked there. And so I slow down, and we kind of pull up alongside, and there's a, a young lady sitting in this truck. And her window's rolled down, and she has this little square red flag, about eight inches square, on a stick. And she's waving it like this, sitting in this truck. You know, it wasn't some big giant flag that she was out there stopping traffic or whatever. But she's just sitting there, waving this itty-bitty flag, red flag, and so I pull up, my window's down. I said, good morning, how you doing this morning? And I said, man, what's going on? And she just said two words, sheep. I said, what? She said, sheep. 
And I'm like, okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't really, uh, okay, there's sheep. And I figured, man, maybe around the curve here, there's a few sheep on the road, and you're moving them to new pasture. Or, great. I said, man, have a great day. Have a great day. It was just one of those beautiful mornings. So, you know, we head on around this big, blind, sweeping curve, and all of a sudden, she wasn't kidding. Sheep. Hundreds and hundreds. It wasn't 50 or 60 sheep. It was hundreds of sheep. And they, I assume we're moving them to a, a different pasture, a new pasture. And so, I mean, here's hundreds of sheep. They are coming down the road. They are using the road as their sheep path. And, you know, and these sheep, you know, they're bouncing all over the place and jumping and carrying on. And, and there's shepherds on horseback. There's other little sheep dogs. And so, man, we just pulled over the side of the road. I thought, man, I don't want to, can you stampede sheep? You know, can somebody get killed in a sheep stampede? I, I don't know. So I better pull over. So we pull over, and here's the sheep just keep coming. I mean, we're talking like 20 minutes of hundreds of sheep coming by. And little sheep dogs were out on the edges nipping and doing their job. Like I say, shepherds were on horseback. And then all of a sudden, bringing up the rear, I saw him. Huge. This big massive sheep dog. He was some kind of mix of something. He was, looked like a big Pyrenees and something else, but he was massive. He had this big, massive chest, huge shoulders, and he came walking right down the center line of the road. He owned the road, and he was looking all around. He was checking everything out. He owned the other sheep dogs. This dude even owned the shepherds. He was an owner. And as he came down through there, as he got closer, I'm looking at this dog. And massive. I can't imagine what this thing weighed. But as he got closer on his shoulder, he had like this great big scar on his shoulder where fur wouldn't grow anymore, right? His life wasn't one of just hanging out in the sunshine, sleeping with the sheep. He protected the sheep. And as he gets a little bit closer, I get to looking at him at his face and his muzzle. And he's looking around. Another great big scar coming down his muzzle where he had been in a fight. And as he comes by the car, you know, he kind of looks over at us in the car and kind of gives one of those snarls. You know, he just kind of lifts one side of his lip with that big old fang hanging out, you know, the big old white fang. And I thought, I'm rolling the window up. I told Helen, I said, honey girl, window's up. I, because the thought of having to wrestle this dog in the front seat of the car scared me. It's like, I ain't going to win this. If he decides to come through this window, uh, it was like, Helen, help. You know, you're going to have to come to my rescue. But that dog was impressive. He was an owner. And as we drove down the road, the sheep went by, the dog went by, I drove down the road, and I just chewed on that for a little while. And I thought... And truly, it was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just dropped this in me. Be that. Be that. Be a sheepdog for your wife, for your kids, for your pastor, 
for the, the company you work for. Be that. And so, man, I thought about that. You know, and, and this morning we're going to talk about two traits of a sheepdog that we need to adopt and model. If you say you are a Christian man, if you say, I love Jesus, if you say, yep, I believe that this word is true, right, and good, here's two traits of a sheepdog we need to adopt as Christian men. Here's the first one. Ownership. You need to own things. Even when you mess up. Have you ever messed up? Ever made a mistake? Ever (laughs) got a big hand up over here? Big hand. Lots of people nodding. Lots of people, oh yeah. Have you ever like messed up something and you knew, wow, I just cost the company a lot of money. That was dumb. Owners say, that's on me. I did it. Ownership. Ownership of our family and home. That's where it starts, to to guard and protect our family. And let's talk about that. How does it start? How does that start? How do we become owners of our family, our home, to guard and protect? It's a daily encounter with God. That's where it starts. It's getting our hind ends out of bed and spending time with Him. That's where it starts. It's an encounter with Him. I've made an appointment with Him. And that's where ownership starts. You know, like I said, I'm going to share a lot of Scripture today, and then you decide what to do with these Scripture. Proverbs 14, 26 says this, Those who fear the Lord are secure. He will be a refuge for their children. Are you a refuge for your family? Am I? Are you a refuge for your family? You know, there was a time in our family where I know I was not a refuge for them. Not at all. What's the word refuge mean? It means safe or sheltered from pursuit, danger, or trouble. You know, as a Christian man, your home should be a place of peace. Well, you say, well, I'm single. I live in an apartment. It should be a place of peace. It shouldn't be full of turmoil and drama. I think Pastor Dan, a few weeks ago, he talked about how a Christian's home and life should be drastically different from the world. Drastically. And yet, what what do we do? What do I do? Oh, I yearn to be like the world. I want to be accepted, right? Whatever the world's drinking, I'm going to drink. Whatever they're smoking, I'm going to smoke. Whatever style is styling and profiling, I'm going to jump right in with that because I want to be just like them. I don't want to stick out. I don't want to be that salt or that light. So many men are spiritually MIA. Philippians 4.8 says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. You know, this verse, we can just gauge our entire life off of this verse. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Ephesians 5, 1-14 says this, Hang on now. Scripture should not bore us. So stick with me. Scripture should not bore us. Imitate God 
Therefore, in everything you do, this is Ephesians 5, 1 through 14, almost the whole chapter. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us, and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Here's where it gets good. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, I love this, expose them. It is shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. What do we do with that? What do we do with that? What do we do with Philippians 4.8? Telling us what to think on. Man, you determine, I determine what and who comes into my home. What's happening with the internet? You know, we can, we can watch TV now 24 hours a day, any show we want to watch, any movie we want to watch. It's there. If we choose to pay for it, it's there. Anything we want to binge on as far as TV and movies, it's there. Why is Hollywood rich and famous? Why do these stars have uh, $30 million mansions? We bought the tickets. I bought the albums. That's why. That's why. It's on me. You know, the word addictions, I kind of hate it because it's replaced the word sin. What are you binging on? What shows are you watching? You know, there's shows that I I thought were really well done and well written, like The Office. It could be so witty and just funny. And then the next second, it's filthy. But I put up with the filthy parts because there were so much good funny parts. So what do we do? I'm going to buy the whole season. I'm going to buy the box set. Seinfeld, same way. I know these are some old shows. Why do I need that in my life? Oh, Randy, you're in the ditch now. Randy, you're in a ditch now. Why do I need that in my life? What do you binge on? What do I binge on? How about my language? 
when something goes south, when something goes sour, when I might uh, hit my thumb or something like that, what kind of, what spews out of me? You know, the Bible talks about outbursts of anger. It's a sin. Well, I'm just hot-headed. I'm passionate. I'm this. I'm that. I'm weak. I'm a man. Oh, my goodness. What do we do with this? What do we do with this? It takes away every excuse I have. It exposes me. When I read his word in the morning, it exposes me for how much I need him. I can't do it without him. I can't. I can't do a thing without him. It exposes me for who I really am, the language I use. How about the people I let into my home? You know what? And you think, oh, this is not like Jesus. What would Jesus do? Not everyone is welcome in our home. Our our doors are not wide open, come one, come all. Explain. When my sons were in high school and college age, they had a friend that turned into a wolf. And I saw how he affected each and every one of them. And when it went down the line and hit my youngest son, I said, we're done here. He proved to be himself a wolf. He did not prove himself to be a sheep that was looking to repent and looking for redemption. And he affected and influenced my three sons. And dummy me, I waited for it to hit my third son, my youngest. And when it landed there, I said, okay, we're done. We're done now. You're not welcome in our house anymore. You're not coming to our house. The guys were not going to his house. Your time spent with this dude is over. Man, would Jesus do that? Jesus flipped some tables. Jesus whipped people. Jesus was not a wimp when it came to the word. Hmm? And praise God, that wolf did repent. He came back around. He became a blessing to our family. He even lived with us for a while. He lived with Pastor Dan and his family for a while. You're welcome here. But not if you're a raging wolf with blood on your fangs. I'm going to let you into my home, into my life, into my family? You're nuts. He reminds me of a pedophile. Would you let a pedophile come into your home and just stand back and watch? Yeah, here's my kids' rooms are back here. My wife's over here. Uh, I'll just hang out and you do your thing. When you don't own and protect your family, that's exactly what you're doing. When you let them watch anything on TV, that's exactly what you're doing. You're kicking open doors to a devil that hates your guts, that wants my family destroyed, your family destroyed. God's word is true. How about music? How about music? Think about music. 
Boy, it's powerful. You know, you hear a song, and it can take you immediately back to where you were and what you were doing. Okay, here's from me. I grew up, you know, I was a teenager in the 70s. I don't know exactly what year Rod Stewart came out with Tonight's the Night. Read the lyrics. They're filthy. And, man, I, I'm, I'm listening, you know, in my truck. I got the, the uh, soft rock station on, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s. That stuff's harmless, man. Rod Stewart comes on. Tonight's the night. You know exactly. Here's how carnal and fleshly I am. You know where my mind goes? Back to 1977, the back seat of a 1972 Chevelle. Innocent. Come on. Music. Reinhardt Bonnke. 1991, many years ago. Some of you weren't born. Weren't even thought about getting born did yet. Here's a quote. Christians have only one thing to boast about. A crucified redeemer. That's our gospel. Our message is Jesus. It's not success. It's not music. It's not academic brilliance. It's not politics and church buildings. It is Jesus. Any success that does not come from the gospel of Christ crucified is a false success. Any song that has no relation to his cross is an empty rattle. The song of the redeemed, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. God bless you today. That was his quote in 1991, an empty rattle. And it made me think, how much stuff in my life is an empty rattle? Think of a little baby. Why do you give them a rattle? Because it makes noise, and they're going to look at it. I have a little, little 11-month-old grandson, a little fat dude, and his attention span is about 0.3 seconds. You, you'd give him this, and he'd be interested in about 0.3 seconds, and then he throws it, and then he's looking for the next thing. But an empty a rattle is supposed to be full of something. What keeps somebody's attention? And so many things I look at and yearn for is what? An empty rattle. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. You know, last Saturday night, I wasn't going to talk about this, but yes, I am. Last Saturday night, the BOK Center, that old rock group that's got their start in 1973 kiss was in town and i made the foolish mistake of looking at social media on sunday morning before church what an idiot who needs it what an imbecile and you know what i saw on social media i saw coaches i saw athletic directors i saw teachers old folks my age and younger I saw police officers, all these selfies. This one dude was bragging about how he took his eight-year-old son to his first rock concert. Kiss! I was going to print out the lyrics to Kiss in some of their songs and read them this morning, but I couldn't. Check it out. If you think Kiss, that group, is not demonic 
and evil, there's something wrong with you. You need to get saved. We'll get you saved today. If you think Kiss is okay and you got every album, why? That's what I wanted to ask every person that I saw post. Why? Why? Why would a Christian go to a Kiss concert? He said, oh, Randy, you're, you're, on a, you're on a rant now. Yeah, I might be. But after reading these scriptures we have read, does Kiss fall into that? I'm talking to me now. I'm not beating you over the head. I'm talking to me. My gracious. All right, number two. We're going to go quick here. Number two. The first one was to protect and guard. Guard our family. Ownership. Here's the second one. Be a herder. <laughs> a herder? What's a herder? Not a herder, but a herder. What do they do? They keep their flock and their family together. They do it with strength. They do it with love. Proverbs 18.10, I love this verse. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. Deuteronomy 31.6, so be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Did you hear that? The Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you. Nor abandon you. Man, I have abandoned him in my life. Foolishly. And I saw how it hurt my family. Your spiritual strength will draw your family to Christ. Not you acting like the world. Not you welcoming everything the world has to offer into your home and into your life. But your spiritual strength and taking a stand in this culture will bring your family to Christ. I don't care what age they are. And to do it with love. I realized over the years that my hypocrisy made my family turn away from God. But when I truly started to live for the Lord, and I was the same at church and at home and at work and at the store and at the QT, it impacted my family. Not perfect, but he did what he said. Don't be afraid to confront sin in your home as you are a herder and a guardian and an owner of your home. I've talked to so many dads that have said, man, my teenager is doing this, but I don't want to talk to him about it because it might push him away from God. Not if you do it with love. I can't tell you how many talks I had with three teenage boys. <laughs> we talked. Pastor Dan, we had talks. And we confronted some tough stuff that was embarrassing for me 
And why do I, why do I, it's like, Helen, can't you talk to him about that? You know, I don't want to. And she says, oh, no, you're the man of the house. It's like, honey girl, I don't want to talk to him about it. It's embarrassing. But I remember as a teenager and a young man growing up, I needed that in my life, and I didn't have it. I didn't have a man that my dad, he, he modeled what it was like to work hard, be diligent, serve Jesus, but we never talked about it. He never sat me down and said, Randy, you're really going down a road called stupid. Here's what, here, here's what you need to do. And Oh, I so desired that. Right back to Ephesians 11, 5, it says, Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, rebuke and expose them. There's times in your life when you will have to rebuke and expose evil. Sometimes even at work. But especially in your home. Why? Because you're the lead. You're the head. Saying, I'm sorry, will keep your flock together. I can't tell you how many times I disciplined out of anger. And I didn't hear both sides of the story. And so I grabbed one of my sons and we gave him the swats and go to your room or whatever. And how many times I had to sit on the edge of their bed that night and say, I'm sorry. I disciplined you out of anger. You know the wonderful thing about our Father God? I've made so many mistakes. I have sinned so much. But when I repented, He swipes it all clean. I'm not a sinner. You're not. You're a masterpiece. You're holy. You're sanctified. You're righteous. If we pursue it, we will catch it. If we don't, we won't. Saying I'm sorry, we'll keep your flock together. Here's one for all you married guys and single guys. No godly woman is on the hunt for a spiritual wimp or weakling. If she's a godly woman, she wants you to lead. She wants you to lead. She doesn't want to wake up on Sunday morning and wonder, well, are we going to church? We're, going to, we're, getting, we're getting involved in church or... No, your wife wants you to be up, helping with the kids, making things happen. Yeah, we're going to church. Well, man, we live 45 minutes away from church. So what? It never failed when our boys were little. Every time we got up ready for church, put a kid in the car seat, that kid, whichever one it was, pooped. And I know this isn't, I don't know how physics all works, but they would poop up their back and it would come out of their collar. So it's all over the car seat. It's all over them. You can't touch them without being poopy. Every Sunday morning. I mean, it made you want to say bad words and throw things. And, and it's just like, you little goon, you did it again. So what do we do? Get up earlier. We're going to church. What do you do at church? Consume? Just attend? No. You serve. I love that. A few months ago, Stephen Mainprize is sitting out there. We built a cabinet for him, and he came to pick it up. And he was kind of in a hurry, rushing around there, and he had a T-shirt on. 
It was vacation Bible school. What was he doing on that Saturday? Serving his kids and somebody else's kids at vacation Bible school. That's what a real man does. That's what a real man does. I think of Jared. They're working with the kids here at Abide Church. That's what a real man does. Pick something. Serve somebody. God will honor you and bless you for it. Today, here's the takeaway about being a sheepdog. Here's the takeaways. Examine yourself. God's word, when you're in it, you know, God's word talks about search me. Search me, O God. Give him (laughs) permission to search you. Search me, O God. Because like I said, when you're in God's word, it exposes me. Oh, it'll strip you down naked. And all of my lust and wrong thinking and desires and bad attitudes, everything are exposed and laid right out there in front of me. Randy, there you are. And then what do I do with it? I have a choice every day. Examine yourself. Is there sin in your life that you keep returning to? You know, the Bible talks about a dog returning to its vomit. A pig going back to the mud hole. After you've scrubbed them all up and put on lipstick, what's the pig do? Right back to the mud hole. Have you seen a dog eat its own vomit? Lick up its own crap? I know that's horrible. That's hideous to even think about, especially on a full belly, right? That's what sin is. When we were teaching kids, I used every gross, sickening thing I could think about to show kids how rotten sin was. I'd get a baby diaper, and I'd take a snicker bar, and kind of mold it and shape it so it looked like a great big old turd and put it in that diaper. And we talk about how rotten sin was, how sin stinks. Say, hey, kids, two words I want you to learn today because mom and dad are going to ask you, hey, what would you learn today? I said, so after class, here's the two words you're going to say. Sin stinks. And they repeat that throughout the whole class, the whole day. And at the end of the day, mom and dad come by, hey, hey, Jim Bob, what would you learn today? Sin stinks. And they're like, yes, you're right. It does. It does stink. Parents got on board. But if it was gross and nasty and ugly, one time I had a mom. She had just had a, a baby a few weeks ago. And she came in there pushing the stroller. And she said, here, you might want, want this. And it was in a Ziploc bag. And the baby's, you know, rotten belly button thing had rotted and fallen off. And she says, well, I put this in the bag and I brought it to you because I've heard about all the stinky, rotten things that you use to portray sin. And she said, when I saw this, she said, I knew I had to save it for you. When I saw this, I thought about you. Thanks, Mom. Appreciate it. And I used it. The very next week, that was our quiet seat prize. (laughs) Come on. Sin stinks. But we've welcomed it and polished that turd and just come on in. Sit with me. Sit on my shoulder. Be a part of my life. It will kill you. It will destroy your family. Me included. Find an accountability partner. Get yourself somebody that you can call weekly, daily, whatever it takes. Somebody you can call at any time. 
For me, that's Eve from sitting over here. Every Friday morning at 5 a.m., we talk. We talk for one hour, and that one hour flies by. He can ask me anything about anything, and I can ask him anything about anything. I need that. And I know when I mess up, I have to face him on the phone Friday. It's good. And there's times when I've thought, you know what? I'm not going to say that word or do that because on Friday I've got to confess to Ephraim. You know? <laughs> and I'm tired of confessing to him. You know? <laughs> I just need to straighten up, live like Jesus. Once again, it's in God's word. Find that accountability partner. Here's another question for you. How are you enriching someone else's life besides your own? Who are you serving? Are you serving your family? Or is it all about me? I work hard. I work a lot of hours. I work hard. And when I get home, it's all about me. It's what I want to do or don't do. Don't talk to me. Don't mess with me. Leave me alone. Because I work hard. And I provide stuff for this family. That's an ass. I used to be that way. Believe me, I know. So if you don't need any information about being an ass, I'm the expert. All right? Look in the dictionary. My picture will be there. Hmm. Are you enriching someone else's life besides your own? You're serving in your church? You're serving your family? This life is a little teeny microscopic fraction sliver of eternity. What am I doing to serve somebody else? I think about, about that this week. Me and Darian were sitting during lunch. And we were talking about, man, what's our purpose here working in this house? Bless this family. That's it. It isn't to make a ton of money. It isn't to stand back and say, whoa, look what we did today. What's the whole reason of working in this pro on this project in their house? To bless this family. That's it. Bless them. Show them Jesus. Be Jesus to them. That's the whole point. Are you enriching someone else's life beside your own? You say, well, how, 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 Randy? How do we do all this? Here's five real quick, easy things. Number one, just like today, you are on the hunt. Be on the hunt for godly change in your life. Pursue it. You will catch what you pursue. Number two, love God more than you love your wife and family. I've seen people that have put their wife and families way up here on this pedestal. And it replaces God. And sports and all these other things replace church attendance. My wife, I love her dearly and would give my life for her, but she's not my Savior. She's not my God. I've often told my sons when they were dating, I said, don't ever date or marry these little girls you see driving around with the little princess uh, tags on the front of their car. You know, I'm a princess, and, and you know, my dad, I'm daddy's princess. You know, I'm not the, you know, I'm not the dad of a daughter, so I'm, I'm lopsided here, I know. But I said, if you date or marry a princess, she will demand to be worshipped. Sooner or later, if she's spoiled rotten and a princess, she will demand your worship. I told my boys, don't go there. And here's the great thing. 
we got exactly what we prayed for. They married three completely, totally different young women that are incredibly awesome and perfectly made for them. And thank you, Jesus, there's not one princess in the bunch. <laughs> so made old dad happy, too. Love God more than you love your wife and family. Love your wife and family more than you love yourself. It ain't about me. My little three-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter told me that the other night. I said, hey, 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 is it all about, what about Papa? Isn't this all about Papa? And she said, no, 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 it's not about Papa. All right, honey girl, you're right. Love your wife and family more than you love yourself. Number four, be the kind of man your son wants to grow up to be like. I commend you guys that brought your sons. Every man of any age needed to hear this today. Young men, you're a real man for being here. You're a real man for getting out of the sack this morning. Even if dad made you, thank you for being here today. That's what real men do. God will honor you and bless you for it. And number five, be the kind of man your daughter wants to marry. Sheepdog or hello kitty? We got a choice. And today we've heard and read tons of scriptures. I'm sure when I had all these pages of notes, you guys freaked out. We're going to be over three hours. What are you going to do with it? What am I going to do with it? I talked about it. I've read these. I've prepared this for a couple weeks now. And God's changed it and stirred it up and flip-flopped things on me and said, don't do, and this was the final result. What do I do when I hear this? At times I think about people that have heard the gospel for decades, year after year, decade after decade. They've heard the salvation message. They've heard about Jesus. They know it's the right thing to do, but they reject it, they reject it, they reject it, they reject it. And someday, that day of rejection will be over. It will be too late. And men, so many times we can be so prideful. Well, I go to church. I'm a good guy. I try. I try. God's word says we can succeed. It says we can win. It says we can be holy and we can be righteous. But I have got to pursue it diligently if I want to catch it. Sheepdog or pussycat? Today, guys, we always try to end up with a time of prayer. I'm going to pray over you, and you'll be dismissed. But today, if you need prayer, we're going to have guys just hanging out up here. If you need prayer for healing, wisdom, something going on at work, something in your life, if you just need a friend, somebody to talk to, and if you just want to rant about something, we're all ears today. Here's your chance. Come on. Don't leave here the same way you came in. If you're sick, if you're wounded, if you're hurting, you have an opportunity to leave here different. But once again, it's your choice. It's my choice. God loves you. Know that. You are his masterpiece. And he has a tremendous plan for each and every one. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We love you, and we adore you. And today we surrender. I surrender. I surrender 
anything in my life that is not godly. And immediately those things come to my mind right now. And Lord, I surrender those things to you. You know what they are. I know what they are. My wife doesn't even know what they are. But I do. And Lord, today I personally surrender my sin, my my sin to you. And Lord, I thank you that you are a good father. You are here to run to us, to rescue us, to build us up. And today we give you glory and honor and praise for it all. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.